Let's get going. Parsh Bechugosai. Okay. So, Parsh Bechugosai, this is the last Parsha of Sefer Vayikra already. Quite incredible. Push the button. We are rolling. Okay. Yeah, quite incredible. So, Bechugosai, last Parsha in Sefer Vayikra. And uh, personally, you know, there's a very powerful idea here in that the, the, a majority of the Parsha is about the punishments, Right? Um, we'll call consequences, consequences of our actions, not following the ways of Hashem. And I want to give a mazel tov to the Miller Mishpach on the birth of a great-grandson and for the sponsorship today. Great-grandson. Mazel tov, mazel tov. Shevasach Yiddish Nachas, Yishbizaycha, that he brings HaKadosh Baruch Hu a lot of Nachas in Mertz Hashem. So the, the parsha begins, however, in a, in a very positive way. In good form, even though like the thrust of it, you know, as you move on, is going to be like, okay, fellas, like, you know, here's the deal um, with the consequences. But beforehand, it's letting us know that there doesn't necessarily need to be consequences. That's not the plan of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The plan is for, uh, for us to follow in His ways. And that's why we say all the time, we quote the Mishnah, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to bring Zuchosim. He wants to be married to Klai Yisrael. And therefore, He gives us, you know, so many opportunities for mitzvos, there. Why do we need six hundred thirteen mitzvos? Let Hakadosh Baruch Hu give us two, and then say, just do that your whole life. You know, just just stick with these two. So the sages teach us: it's to give us more opportunity to uh, to perform and and find more things that we could do well, so we could receive even even more merit. So the parsha begins with how a yid should act, and chances are, uh, with the pattern that we've been having with these uh, lunch and learns. We'll see how far we get, and chances are we'll probably be focusing on this part of the Parsha, which is Gans fine. That's, uh, that's, good. that's good for me as well. So here we go. Chapter 26, verse 3, Parachavav, Pasuk Gimel. Listen closely. Im b'chukosai telechu. If you go in my decrees. Fine? You go in my decrees. Ve'es mitzvosai tishmeru, and you protect my mitzvos. So apparently this is something else, right? Because the Torah is not redundant. So if you go in my decrees, and you protect my mitzvos, it needs to be something else. And the verse ends, Va'asisa mosam, and you do them. This seems to be a third thing. Now we have a pasuk here with a total of uh, eight words, and what se- what seems to be three different responsibilities. If you read it through, it's like okay, you follow my ways, but now like you want to you want to go what we call be'ul, and you want to go in depth. It's like hey, it, this is not one verse over here. This is three parts, three distinct things. You go in my ways, protect my mitzvos, and perform them. So what's up with this pasuk? So Rashi Baruch Hashem is bothered. Um, and, uh, and immediately kicks in and he says, listen, to walk in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu cannot mean performance of mitzvos because that's the second part of the, the Pasuk, right? Zagobar says to protect my mitzvos, which if you're protecting it, you're performing it. So what is it? And, and then it says, you're doing something with action. So the Rashi says like this, he makes a point. We don't really know what the beginning of the Pasuk says. So let's look at the end of the Pasuk to figure it out by process of elimination. Okay, let's work by process of elimination. Number one is it cannot mean it cannot mean the the, the observance of mitzvahs. Number two is it cannot mean the the action 
of mitzvot because it says to do. So it has to be something where there's no action. Something good, something positive in our relationship with Baruch Hu, but there's no action. Yeah, you're following along here? Because that's already, this is process of elimination. That's said explicitly. So what does the first words of our Pasuk mean? It says Rashi, beautiful. Im must mean shetiyu amelim b'Torah, to labor in the words of Torah. To labor in the words of Torah. And this is a, a such a um, important idea that the laboring in Torah, the expression used by the verse is teilechu. According to what Rashi is saying is, if in my decree, meaning my Torah, teilechu, you go. So the Torah, there's something about Torah that takes us somewhere that other things don't. Because the other thing says, guard my mitzvahs. It doesn't say, take my mitzvahs, go with my mitzvahs. By the study of Torah, which is not yet even action, Kelechu, it's supposed to take us somewhere. And this is, this is such an incredible thing because we'll get a little, uh, a little, you know, not, uh, remove a layer. Let's, let's go peel it apart like an onion. The, this Pasuk that we just learned here, many of us may have read this last year. We may have read it at the beginning of the week. We may have read it 10 years ago. But what's so unique about Torah is that it takes us places. That's the Telechu. Telechu means it takes us places. The reason why we are not going to understand this Parsha the same way we may have yesterday or last year is because as soon as I learn Torah... It takes me somewhere, I go somewhere that allows me that the next time I'm learning the Parsha, I'm in a different place learning it, so therefore it's a different word. The Torah of today is not the Torah of yesterday. It's impossible for it to be. And that's the beauty of it, right? As, you know, to say it very simply, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Zechariah Levracha, learned this Pasuk, I'm not going to put a number on it, an infinite amount of times. A kid in grade school will read this Pasuk. It's the same exact words, and it's completely different. It's not the same words. It's, you're looking at the same letters. It's not the same words, because the Torah takes you places, which you will never be. And this is, this is something which uh, I personally work on. I don't know, I don't know if, it, uh, if other people's minds work like this. Um, it used to be when I would hear somebody sharing something that I already heard, my mind would go back to, I already heard, I, I know that. that. That's what would be my initial reaction. You hear somebody share a story. You hear somebody share a thought. It could be even a Devar Torah. It could be anything. So my initial, it's like, oh yeah, I, you know, oh yeah, that one, like that one. And I realized when I was spending time with myself, I realized that that was actually stunting me. When I allow my mind to do that, it's stunting me. It's not letting me develop because I'm only going to understand the way that this person is presenting the information, the way that my mind understood it five months ago, five years ago, whatever it is, and that's selling myself short. Why not train myself that when I hear somebody starting to share something, my mind should be, oh, let me see what, how I'm going to understand that now. 
how I'm going to process it now, how I'm going to take it in now. And it's always different. There's always like a, a, a little point, you know, a, a knetch, as they call it, a little bit of a twist. Something else like, oh, why is it? Because I'm not the same person I was last time I heard it. So, so why stunt myself to understand it in that way? Let me see how I would understand it today. And that's the telechu, the, the, like we're, we're, the, the, we're, we're being taken places with our study of Torah. It's such a, such a beautiful idea. Like don't, don't keep understanding things the way that we've always understood them. Torah is not only to protect, Torah is to, to bring us along. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's actually, what, what, what Linda's pointing out is, is there a transformation? There's actually two gains. Two gains. Number one is there's certainly a transformation. Number two is a concept that, um, that comes up with Musser learning. Okay? And this is a little bit of a different, this is a little bit of a shift, but also equally important. And in Musser, there's this concept called We'll say it in Hebrew, it's two words, ha'avoras, ha'komus. Over means to pass over, okay? Komus is ink. Komus in, in Hebrew is ink, the ink of a, of a quill. Ha'avoras, ha'komus, this is a concept in Muslim. What does that mean? If you were to write something down, make a line on paper, so you see the ink, if you go over it with ink again, it's going to be etched deeper into the paper. And if you go over it, every time you go over it, it's going to take it a drop deeper. And the, the deeper it is, the, the, the more uh, stabilized, the more, I don't know, the proper word is not stabilized. Permanent? Huh? More permanent. More permanent. <coughs> the more permanent it is in us. So in Musa, there's this concept of purposely, actually, even without necessarily being in a different place in life, but the more you say over words, the deeper it's meant to go in, which interestingly is also, okay, just, just to share if I'm, you know, um, as, as somebody who dances on Simcha's Torah, when I, it used to be, for me, after a few minutes of a song, I would get totally bored. I felt like it's just the yeshiva guys keeping on going just to keep it going. You know what I mean? Like, you have to dance to the same song for 40 minutes. Six minutes is enough. Now, I'm not talking about the kids. Baruch Hashem and Shul, we have 10-minute hakafas, and it's Geschmack, and it's Lebedic, and it's, and it's perfect. It's perfect for, for every, it works well. You know, it works well. Baruch Hashem. Um, but there was one time where I, where I was going over, I was actually being, I was going over the concept of Avaras Hakumas. And, and what we learned from that is that the, what, you, when you sing Moshe Emes Vesoroso Emes, let's say, right? You sing... Um, we sing Tairas Hashem Tamima Meshivas Nafesh. Right? The Torah of Hashem is Tamima, it's perfect, Meshivas Nafesh, it settles the soul, right? Edus Hashem, you sing. Once you learn the concept of Avaras Hakomas and you think about the words, when you're singing it your eighth minute into the song, it's a different word than it was my first minute. And 15 minutes in, it's different. It's different. You're not getting bored of it because what you're, what you're devoting yourself to, what you're dedicating yourself to is, no, I'm not just saying these words. The, the, I'm etching these words deeper into my heart. And the, actually, the more I say it, the, the, the more connected to it, 
um, I become. So that, that's... That's what we would say is like an additional concept too. In Bechukosai Telechu, there's a taking us in, uh, in the way that, how'd you present it? Where you're, you're transforming. Part of the transformation is also the, the Havara Sakomas. This, that, you know, it's also getting deeper and the deeper something gets etched into us, the more, the more connected to these words it becomes. Yeah. Very good. That's a different growth. Very but good. Even if you do nothing. Beautiful. So what, what you're saying over here is that the concept that we're sharing here is a very nice concept, but we have to make sure not to um, not to negate or knock off even if the performance of the mitzvah doesn't have that depth, doesn't have that uh, mindset. Very good. And I wanna I wanna use that. I wanna use that as a um, as a, uh, there, there, as an additional point to mention that goes back into these words of the parsha. There's a beautiful sefer called the Be'er Ma'im Chaim, not the seltzer. It's a sefer. Shnook sells the seltzer. Be'er Ma'im Chaim's got the most bubbles. Yeah, they for sure win the you know the the bubble competition in seltzer. But uh, there's a sefer called Be'er Ma'im Chaim. And he says a beautiful idea on this Pasuk. It says, This is how he reads this Pasuk. And he says that the way to know if we're really performing the mitzvos at the optimum level is when you complete the mitzvah, you have a drive to do more mitzvos. What, 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 how do I feel? See, he reads like this. He says, therefore, he says, if your Torah and your statutes, what we perform, makes you go, fills you up with gez, then the next verses, which we didn't read yet, are all about the blessings. Then there's going to be, everything will be bountiful. Everything's going to come in its proper time. Things will, things will feel good. Now, based upon what the Baramayim Chaim is saying, I believe his point really is the point you're making. And that is, a mitzvah is a mitzvah. Whether or not, you're feeling it, you're not feeling it. The performance of a mitzvah is a relationship with Hashem, nothing to talk about. Yet the gauge to help ourselves keep going and not burning out, because otherwise we'll burn out. It's a relationship. But we're not but to, to to allow the relationship to go from place to place, it's very hard to keep that up without doing keeping the relationship at its optimum place. You get what I'm saying? Like any, any relationship is about, you have to, the expression the sages use is to, you have to water it like a garden. It needs to be watered. You can't just let your garden sit there. It needs, it needs tending to. Things need tending to. So if we wake up in the morning, we say moda'ani because that's a mitzvah to do. And then we go back to bed and we breathed, but there was no real there was no real devakus, there was no real clinging, no real you know, a feeling of, of getting places within our relationship. So it's, 
it's the, the garden may go through a winter season, right? And what's going to happen after the winter season? Is it going to be ready to go back? So what the Berenbaim Chaim, I think, is pointing out to us is this Pasuk is telling us the optimum way as opposed to the only way. So, um, that, you know, uh, I, I think that fits very well into, into your point that anything has to, you know, a, a, anything we do that HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked us to do certainly is, uh, is beyond value as we quoted from the Chassam Sofer. The Chassam Sofer says, we'll just say, say this quickly because it's not really the, the, you know, it's not really the, the point of today. But there's a Gemara that says if you steal a mitzvah from someone, you have to pay them 10 golden bars. Yeah, if you steal a mitzvah. Somebody was about to do a mitzvah, you stole their mitzvah. So you have to pay them 10 golden bars. Okay? So Chassam Seifer, he's like, what does that mean? <laughs> what is it? 10 golden bars. So he, said, he, he has two questions. His first question is, he says, you can't steal a mitzvah. You know why? Because sages teach us, if you want to perform a mitzvah and you weren't able to do it, you still get a mitzvah. So you never stole anything. That's his first question. Great question. Number two is 10 golden bars for a mitzvah. What are you, nuts? Right? You can't put a physical, 10 gold bars don't add up to a mitzvah, right? We know this, the, the story that Yisak Zilberstein tells over where there was nine men for a minion. They couldn't find the 10th one. It was three o'clock in the morning. So one of them calls a monit. He calls a taxi and the taxi comes. He doesn't put on the meter. Come inside and daven arvit. Come daven marav with us. The guy puts on his meter. He comes inside and davens. And after marav, they want to pay him. He says, well, you, you think I'm giving up my mitzvah for 20 shekel? Of course, I'm not, I'm not letting you pay me. Right? A mitzvah, 10 bars for a mitzvah. Those are the two questions that Chassam Zeber says. He has a very, he, he gives a fascinating answer. I don't understand it a thousand percent. I'll tell you what he says. And he says that you're right. That if you want to perform a mitzvah, you get the mitzvah. But that's exactly why you're obligated to ten, the 10 golden pieces. Because there's still, bottom line is, if your body actively performed a mitzvah, or if you didn't actively perform a mitzvah, that physical, that lack of physical action, you could put a physical value on. That's what he says. So he says, well, actually, when you pay, when the Gemara says you need to pay that value, it's not because you stole the mitzvah in its entirety, but you stole the ability to act on the mitzvah, and that physical action loss, you could put a physical value on. That's, that's what he says. Very, uh, Can you share it? Huh? Good question. You could share a mitzvah before, you can't share a mitzvah after. I actually just came across that a few weeks ago. I was going through a tshuva from Reb Chaim Kanievsky and somebody had asked him, somebody had asked him, you know, in, in uh, Torah, we know there's a concept of Yisachar and Zavulim, where you have somebody who sits and learns Torah and somebody else becomes their business partner. You learn Torah, I'll... I'll financially take care of you and your family and you you take care of your thing and it's and and we're gonna share we're gonna split the um the schar we're gonna split the reward that is a very worthwhile business venture and it's a valid business venture where Chaim Kanievsky says that you can't do it after the fact you can't walk over to somebody and say I want to purchase all half of your total learning for the last 10 years that you can't do but if you make an arrangement beforehand then you could already sell a mitzvah, but otherwise, otherwise, uh, it's not for sale. Once somebody owns it, you can't put a you can't put a value on it. And if you think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense because when the person's willing to put a value on their mitzvahs beforehand, they've already established that in their mind there's value. Afterwards, you really can't put a physical value on something. 
unless you decide on it beforehand because it's just spiritual and anything that's ruchnius is is priceless. You can't you can't do that. Okay, unless originally agreed upon. Very interesting. Okay, so that's a, that's another additional idea over here. Of again, we're still in the first pasuk of im telechu. If you if you uh, go in my decrees, you go. It takes us places and it keeps us going. It fills us up. It's exciting. So then that that's the uh, that's the, what the uh, focus of the performance of mitzvahs is. Okay, so what's going to happen? V'nasati geshmechem beitam. I will place geshmechem. Geshem, Geshem is rain. I asked, I asked Charlie if I could share this. I was learning with, with I, we usually learn Wednesdays. If, we, if it doesn't work out Wednesdays, it's sometimes we don't have to share on Thursdays. I was learning with him yesterday and he came up, I was, I was laughing hysterical. He, he did it on purpose, which is why it was such a great line. I love this. Um, he, says, he says, you know, we could read this yeshivish. But means you, you place rains in its proper time. That's the blessing. If you again, you're following the, the words of Hashem, the Torah takes you places. I'll give you rains. So he says Geshmechem sounds like Geshmakim. <laughs> so if you do Torah rights, Vanasati Geshmakim beitam. Yeah, I'll give you Geshmakim Yiddishkeit. I'll give you, it'll be exciting. It'll be good. I'll keep you going. I was like, oh, beautiful. Ah, what a Hasidic shavart. I was going to put payas on him. All right. <laughs> But uh, I was like, I got to share. That's good. Like, how do you, I never would have thought to read it like that. I never would have thought to read it like that. But you learn so much when you learn with people. So, uh, <laughs> I was like, that's great. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to look at that word ever again the same way. Ever. I'm just going to see Geshmak. That's all I'm going to see. Okay. I'm going to put rain in its proper time. That's going to be the blessing. And the land is going to yield its produce. This is referring to things that grow straight from the land. Produce. The Eitzasada and trees, Yitin Pirio, will bear its fruit. So if you do these things, the bracha is going to come about through rain. The, the land is going to is, uh, grow vegetables, grains, and the trees are going to bear fruit. Now, interestingly, it says, you will, I will put rains in its proper time. Rashi says this is redundant. What does the proper time mean? Proper time means that it's going to be productive. So then why do you got to tell me that the, the, yield, the fruit's going to yield? That, that the land is going to yield its fruit? Be'itam in its time means it's broke. So Rashi says a beautiful thing. Be'itam means it's not going to be annoying. This is amazing. This is amazing. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of all our past week. We've been having these Midwest storms, right? Since the log barbecue, you know what I mean? Like, it hasn't stopped. I heard it, maybe for Shabbos, you know, we'll, we'll get a little respite. But every, says the, says, says the Pesach, says Rashi, it's not going to, you know what it's going to rain? Tuesday night and Friday night, when people are usually home. Fine, that's what Rashi actually says Friday night, but there's a Medrash that says Tuesday night also, for whatever reason. But people, you know, people are, are indoors on Shabbos. Hashem says, when I send the bracha, I'm going to send it in its time, meaning I'm going to send it at a time where it's only going to be bracha and it's not going to be annoying. And when I saw this Rashi, I was like, this is so profound in life when we know, if we think about it, the most irritating things are the biggest blessings. That's be'itam. HaKadosh Baruch you know the bracha, rain represents blessing in general, Right? Rain, this is Hashem's, I'll give you a blessing of rain. It represents things. It's, it represents bracha. 
when, when a person is annoying to us, a person's hurtful, why are they hurtful? Because, because I had a bracha of having a relationship with them, or I still have a bracha. Either I, I have it currently, or it used to be, and now that's why they're irritating me. If I never had the bracha of that person, if I never had a relationship or anything, so it's like some, some kid walking over me in the park, you know, and just, uh, you know, like, go away, whatever. Whatever they say to you, it's like, okay, hi. Hey, have a nice day. Like it doesn't bother. There was no bracha there, so there's no, there's no annoyance. There's nothing irritating. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is giving a blessing in a beautiful fashion. He says, if you follow my decrees, you involve yourself in my Torah. You want to do the right thing. You strive to do that. You, you, you're going places in life. The bracha is going to come in a way where it's going to be beitam. I won't send those annoying side things that very often do go hand in hand with bracha. If you think about any bracha, there's very often, I, I, I was trying to think of my own life, if I ever, if there's an example that doesn't work, I couldn't think of anything. Every bracha that I thought of that I could bracha sends, there's always an irritation. There's an irritation that comes along with it. It's a fascinating thing. Unless you have the bracha because it's baruch. Right? If we taka are perfect and we have this perfection and we do it, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says it doesn't need to be like that. It doesn't need to be like that. And if if there is maybe, and I'm just making this up, and I didn't hear this from our band, maybe it's the irritation that is the first step where Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, you know, take stock. I don't want to send tsaras per se something, else, but take stock. Like you're not getting a total bracha right now, not a total bracha. So maybe it's time to go back to maybe it's time to go back to uh, that pasuk. Says the Pasuk. So the, everything's going to bear its fruit. The land, the, the trees, the Daesh, the threshing of the grain is going to take you all the way to the vintage season. Now vintage, we, it has already become like a general word in America for like, um, like luxurious maybe? Yeah? I don't know, how would you translate vintage? Older luxury. Vintage really is for vintage wine. It's an expression of wine. Okay? The vintage is referring to the wines. And the vintage is going to last you until the, the season of the planting of the grain. I mean, there's going to be so much here. And there's a reason why we're, I'm focusing on this. Again, there's going to be so much. Says the Pasuk, you will eat to satisfaction. You will eat your bread to satisfaction. And you will dwell peacefully uh, with bitachin, bitachin, secure, security. You will dwell with security in your land. Let's take apart this pasa, because this is, first of all, this pasa seems to be a contradiction. HaKadosh Baruch says, I will give you so much, and you're going to be satisfied with so little. And within this pasa, it also seems to say that the bracha is that your grain season is going to go till your grape season, and your grape season seems like I'm just busy. Is that a bracha? Is that a bracha? This is, if you really go through this pasuk and you dwell in it, you're like, why is this the answer to having, you know, uh, to to performing well spiritually? Why is Hakadosh Baruch Hu giving us the answer where you'll have so much business? You're not going to have any off-season. And you will be satisfied with a little bit of bread. And you will dwell securely in your land. Fascinating pasuk, right? You're really like, whoa, like, where did all this come from? Okay. 
So Rashi says that, let's focus on part of the Pasuk first. One part of the Pasuk said, you will eat your bread. You will eat your bread to satisfaction. Rashi says, what do you mean you'll eat your bread? So Rashi says, you'll eat a drop. It'll be blessed inside. Just a little bit of eating will give you so much nutrition. You won't need to spend your days around food. You won't need to waste it. You don't need to waste your time with, you know, preparing all these things to get in all your nutrition. To, to be, you're you're going to be satisfied with less. That's a that's a tremendous bracha. So, the uh, Reb Chaim Velozhner asks a fascinating question. It says, "Va'achaltem, you will eat lachmechem your breads to satisfaction." Why doesn't it say "va'achaltem lechem"? You'll eat bread to satisfaction. Lachmechem means your personal bread. You'll eat your personal bread to satisfaction. So I love this. Reb Chaim says, because he, uh, a, a yid, you have to have a, a yiddish cup, as they say. You have to have a Jewish head to think of this, right? But here's what a Jewish head's going to think, you know. I learned Parshish B'chakosa. Parshish I says, if a person's really in Ebed Hashem, if you're doing the right thing, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bless you with a little bit, will be plenty. So a guy's going to come knocking on my door, right? Knock, knock. I'm collecting for myself. I'm collecting for a hundred families. I'm collecting for him. So I'm going to say, listen, I don't know if this guy's legit. I don't know where he's coming from. I don't know where, how the money is being used. So I'll tell you what. I'm going to throw him a quarter. I'll give him 25 cents. You know, I'm going to be generous. I'll give him 89 cents for a bagel and schnooks. Yeah, I heard there was inflation. It might be 99 cents now. I'll give him 99 cents for a bagel and schnooks. And if he's a real tzad, they could all last him a week. Instead of me giving him more money, let him, let her, Hashem knows, so let him get the bracha. Why should I be generous? Says Ruchayim Velozhner, V'achaltem lachmechem, you will eat your breads. Lasova. When it comes to myself, so I should rely on that bracha, that blessing for myself. However, when it comes to other people, don't be frugal. Right? When it comes to, that's why I don't say lechem. Lechem, I might have thought it applies to everyone. No. This applies when I'm looking at my own life. When I'm looking at somebody else's life, make sure to, uh, to give them as uh, to give them as much as possible. Okay, so that's that's uh, that explains the word lachmechem. Now the hisiglachem daishas butzer. What about this? You know this seasonal thing where it keeps going. So I don't know. I, I want to throw this out. Like I'll tell you what, what what I was thinking when I was learning through this pasuk. Maybe Akadosh Baruch is telling us it's actually a bracha to have what to do. Even though, why, I would have thought, even though I would have thought, let the Pasuk say, you know what I'm going to do? I will give you $100 million as an inheritance. I'll take care of you. You'll have bread, you'll have wine. That should be the response, but no. It seems from the Torah, and tell me if I'm wrong, I'm totally making this up. It seems from the Torah that that's not a bracha. It's not a bracha. Even though I'm going in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm, I'm involving myself in Torah and I'm keeping the mitzvahs, you're not living. And that, that's not, uh, apparently there's something about earning a good, honest living in a way that helps the world. That's a bracha. That's what, that's what I'm taking out of here. I don't know. 
Any other any thoughts on that? Because otherwise, why do I why do I gotta keep going from harvest to to vintage and vintage to harvest? Well, give me a bracha. Let me, let me do my own thing. Apparently, it's not a bracha. I don't know. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, go ahead. Ain kemach, ain tara, where you have to couple them together to have a, um, a meaningful life. So most people translate ain kemach, ain tara. Most people not translate. Most people understand that to mean if you don't have finances, you can't learn. If there's no bread, there's no term. They go around collecting money for a yeshiva. That's how most people understand it. But what you're pointing out is ain kemach, ain tara means if there's no... If, if you're not working for your grain and you're not working within the nature of the world, and this is any profession that we get in. We've spoken this out, you know, uh, we've spoken this out a few times before, and that is every profession that a person works besides for a gambler helps the world. A gambler doesn't mean somebody who gambles. A person who earns a living gambling the Mishnah tells us is not a trustworthy witness because they have no concept. They have no concept. They're not, they, they're not earning a livelihood in a way that's helping anybody else. You're just actually trying to remove things from other people so you have more. That's a problem. But any other profession, anything, think about it. You're, you're, it's a mitzvah to do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the world in a way where we're supposed to be doing these things. So if you do that, call a vote. It's a mitzvah. So the way you're saying it is in kamachin Torah means the two need to go hand in hand with working, working and living. You know, one of my rabbis once shared me a beautiful idea with going back to Yisachar and Zavulun. Right? So Yisachar and Zavulun relationship is known. Yisachar sat and learned. Zavulun was the businessman. So you know, somebody who's making money and the one who's learning, they each make a partnership. You'll get, you know, you'll get some of the ruchnias. I'll get, you know, and you, you share the gashmi. One of my rabbis once shared me, he said, you know, you could be your own Yisachar Zavulun partner. I never thought about that. I work in the morning. I put in my seven, eight hours. That's my zavulun, And then I make sure to set aside time every day to study Torah. So now, I was zavulun in the morning, I'm Yisachar at night. So I have my own partnership going. If you don't have time to, you know, to do that or whatever, or we're not in an industry where that's possible, okay, so you do it with somebody else. But you could be your own Yisachar Zavullin partner. I thought that was a beautiful idea. You know, why not? Why not? <laughs> No, when I go into a relationship by myself. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe it's just a seasonal thing where we go from one season to another and there are different stages in that season where we, we till the soil and we plant and we do all that and then, and then at the end, you know, we're ready for the harvest. And maybe the harvest isn't just for us, maybe the harvest is to share. I mean, I don't see this as a singular. Are we supposed to look at this as a singular or as a... Um, this, this is national. A national. This is a national blessing, a national parsha, for sure. For sure. So then we work together in doing all those things. Halavai. Mm-hmm. Halavai. You're right. You're right. This is a national responsibility that we have to, uh, to keep this going. Yep. Okay. Um... Viter. The Nasati Shalambaritz. Hashem says all these things in this you can have all the grain and vintage wine, but if you don't have shalom in your land, you're not gonna enjoy anything. And this is not only referring to the land of Israel, this is referring to the land of life. We all know this. People have so many things which would be a blessing. 
But because they don't have shalom in their lives, nothing is a blessing. Everything is gone. Everything's gone. I don't understand. You have this, you have this talent, you have this gift, you have this, you have energy, you have finances, you have this. There's no shalom, it's nothing. Mom is nothing. It's because Brahu says, to wrap up the, the brachos, you should know. You're going to have shalom. Because otherwise, not necessarily are these things going to, um, um, going to be a bracha. There's a, in, in a way, what we call bederech tzchok, in a way of laughter. This is not, there's a, there's a valid message to come out of this story, but this is what we call a little bit of perm Torah. Okay? A little bit of perm Torah. Like, like you know, gishmak. Um, so... Um, Venasati Shalom Baras means I'll put Shalom, I'll bring peace to the land. So here's the, here's the tzchok, here's the joke. There's a, there are two friends. And one was named Yisrael and one was named Shalom. Okay, two guys. One's named Yisrael, one's named Shalom. One day, they both walk up to Shul and there is a huge pond, a large puddle from the rains in front of the Shul. And Shalom says to Yisrael, he says, listen, Yisrael, you're a good friend. Why should both of us get our shoes wet? Okay? One of us should pick up the other, put the other one on his shoulder, and uh, at least one of us will remain clean. Okay? Fine. So Yisrael says to Shalom, who had the idea, he says, Shalom, that's a great idea. Great, so pick me up. Right? That's great. You know, it's good. Why should I get my shoes wet? You're the one with the brilliant idea. You bend down, I'll go on you. So Shalom says, no, absolutely not. Why should you be the one who got to stay clean? I should be the one who got to stay clean. So Yisrael says, no, no, no. I'll prove to you that I should be the one who's picked up. I'll prove it to you. It's a Pasuk in Tehillim. Pasuk in Tehillim. The Pasuk in, you could back up anything with a Pasuk, by the way, okay? <laughs> the Pasuk in Tehillim says, vanim You'll see generations. Shalom al Yisrael. There will be Shalom on Yisrael. So see, Shalom me go on Yisrael. Says it in the Torah. Ah, I told you you could find the Pasuk to back it up. Yeah? So, uh, can Yisrael argue on a Pasuk in the Torah? No, you can't argue. A Pasuk at the Hillam? You can't argue a Pasuk at the Hillam. Fine. So, Yisrael... <laughs> so, uh, Shalom al Yisrael. So Yisrael picks up Shalom. Fine. So, they start walking through the puddle, and Shalom throws Yisrael onto the ground, right into the puddle, sopping. So, Yisrael dusts him. He's, he's filthy. He's muddy now. He says, what's your problem? So Yisrael says, uh, as we were walking, I remembered the Pesach in the Torah says, V'nasati shalom ba'aretz. You should put shalom onto the ground. So I threw you on the floor. Now, I, just, I, I just happened to remember the Pesach while we were walking through the puddle. Okay, so that's the, that's the, uh, that's the humor. What's the message? What's the, the MS that comes out of this joke? Okay, the MS that comes out is that, and it has to do very much with placing shalom on the earth. And that is that there's times where we argue. Um, and sometimes we would argue about psukim, like what's the proper way to serve Hashem, how to vow ourselves. And w- when it all starts, very often what happens is people are busy quoting psukim for each other. You know, I'll tell you why I'm right, because my Rebbe said this, and his Rebbe said this. And ultimately what happens is you get yourself involved in Machlaikas, everyone ends up dirty. That's the message. Right? Just, it's... it's uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not worth it. There was a machlaikas. Um, machlaikas. We'll, uh, maybe we'll go a little bit after this. We'll see. There's machlaikas um, in a city uh, called Shamloi. 
the city of Shamloi had a rav. His name was Reb Shlomo Zalman, uh, I think, Aaron Reich, something like that. Reb Shlomo Zalman Aaron Reich. I think he was. I think that was his name. And there were a lot of avelim, a lot of people who had lost close family relatives, and they all wanted to leave the davening and say kaddish. And the rav told them that um, you should know that it is a merit to the neshama when their family member davens. But the greatest, the, the greatest elevation for a neshama is when their family member refuses to get involved in a dispute. So if you have a choice between making another mourner happy and letting them lead the davening, by you letting somebody else lead the davening, it'll do more for your loved one than if you were act, act, uh, you know, than if you actually led the davening. And he says, it's hinted to from our Pasuk, when Asati Shalom Ba'aretz, when there's Shalom down here on earth, look how the Pasuk continues, incredible. When Asati Shalom Ba'aretz, when there's Shalom on earth, Ushechavtem, you will lie down, Ve'en Macharid, and you'll have nothing to be afraid of. Isn't that incredible? When, when your family has Shalom in this world, then when you lie down in the kever, in the grave, you not to worry about. You know that there's people there keeping shalom in the earth. That's the greatest chus that um, that they could do for the greatest chus that they could do for a person. Okay, so who we got in? Uh, <laughs> wait, how many psukim? Three psukim. Okay, <laughs> we we touched on the fourth, but I'll uh, take any questions, comments, any uh, any thoughts.